Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. We are in uh, Achremot as well as Krishim, which is uh, correlates to Leviticus chapter 16 through 20. You will note that uh, this chapter, uh, 50, uh, sorry, uh, 16, it starts out a little bit. Uh, there's more information given. Uh, we mentioned before we covered Adab and Abihu and their deaths. The Torah portion, Torah, sorry, gives Nabihu's deaths in three primary contexts. Uh, context number one, they offer profane fire that's recorded in the big six, 10, that's six chapters earlier. Uh, uh, they offer profane fire, fire that was not authorized by God to bring forth. Uh, shortly thereafter, later on the same chapter, the context of their death was also discussed with the idea of, uh, of, of the, the whole wine and discernment as far as making the white choices and right instructions. And then here, we're also given a third context of the death of approaching the holy section uh, when these, these women's deaths are, are, are brought up to mind. So with these three combined, Jewish tradition points out they probably did what the, all three or some combination thereof of these sins or, or which caused their deaths. I bring this up because you and I both know God is forgiving God. We make mistakes. And we make knowing we make mistakes, it's okay to make mistakes. And he's forgiving. And the doubt would be who we, if you look at any one of them, say, well, okay, that's one mistake. But it's hence why Jesus says it's not likely they did just one mistake. They probably did all three of them. Though I don't know necessarily how. I'm not saying they, I know how they did it, but just probably did all three of them. Number one, they offer profane fire. They could did not discern what was right and wrong, potentially possibly drunk, and they probably entered the, the Holy of Holies section while doing all of it. Um, that is how Judaism has taken this this viewpoint. Christianity is the same thing. They assume that all all three or some combination thereof were combined together. That's just by God saying, okay, I'm done with you, killing you off. As opposed to God saying, you made one mistake. Hey, correction, don't do that. It's a, no, you made all three mistakes. This is not a, just don't do that. We're just knocking you out for it, killing you off for it. So it implies the general idea that they may have offered incense along in the Holy of Holies and may or may not have been drunk at the time, or at least they were unable to discern what was right and wrong at the time. Uh, though God may be justified in killing them for any one offense, the combined three offenses is more than sufficient to, to authorize, hey, th- these, these men are not, are not trustworthy. The advantage at this point bringing up now in Leviticus 16 for Aaron is that it's still relatively fresh in his mind. So the process of, of how these men died. And they are who were his sons. And this gives a warning, because 16 is a warning, don't enter at any time. So Aaron, just like you saw your two sons dying, I can kill you too. You're not some extra special person that can't be killed. I killed them. I kill you also. So watch what you're doing. Now that you have the grabbed situation put upon you, you understand how significant this actually is. Here's how you're going to do it. Here's how you're going to avoid this death that can be put upon you as well. Because they died. I, I, you're not something so, so extra special person. I can't wipe you out and just deal with your with your other two sons who are who may be better than you. So it, it, it's it's a way of 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 the, telling that God's not playing around with this. This is not a oh that's too bad. A wink and a dug. It's okay. Ha ha have mistakes. These aren't the, the wink and a nudge type mistakes. These are serious ones. You don't make serious mistakes. And we'll explain a little bit more of that regarding this offering. 
So it's interesting to me. I'll bring this up to you. I'm, I'm, I'm by the way, I'm running through this relatively quick. So, because uh, there's, there's reasons for it in a minute. Um, this should be, maybe you notice this as well. And the Yom Kippur service, which is listed here, you have the, the priest, he uses the sin blood, uh, sorry, the sin offering, the sin offering, the bull, the blood of the bull, which for his own sin offering, he uses that blood. And of course, it's put upon the, 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 the ark, the, the temple, the tabernacle, oh, sorry, tabernacle, the, the ark of testimony. But the ark testimony, the, the seven times, uh, with the whole the right side, or and sometimes I think it's eight total. So it's once on the east side, which I guess would be on the uh, yeah the right hand side. Uh, the right hand side that's what that's east. Yeah, the right hand side. He was just once brings it once there, and then seven times in front in the front center, and then he does the same thing with the goat. It's once the right and seven times the center, so a total of eight for each of the two animals. You will note that he also takes the blood from the bull and the goat. They he 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 puts on the altar uh, all around. You will note that if you read the text, you see pretty, pretty obvious the process of putting blood on the, the testimony, the ark testimony, as well as the altar, it says it makes atonement for those two items. That's how you cleanse the two items. You will also note that something strange or unique about this is the priest is cleansed also with the same method. So, unlike the two goats, the two goats are not assigned to the priest. The two goats are for the people. The priest and the, 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 ark, the ark, as well as the altar, are their own grouping over here. This side over here, they are atoned for using the, the blood from, the, two, the, from the, the bull animal in particular for the priest, for his own sins, how, how, how his sins have put upon the ark as well as upon the altar. And that's how the blood of the bull takes care of him and the altar and the ark that, that he has caused sin upon those from his own actions. The people's goat does the same thing as it's from their actions. It puts, cleanses the ark as cleanses the, ark, the, the altar as well from their own sins upon those two items. But the laying out of hands, the goat is specifically for the people, not for the priest. So it tells us that the priest and the ark and the, the, the altar are grouped together and that they are addressed and their sins are addressed through the bull. But the goat that's sent off the wilderness, that addresses the sins that are all on the rest of the people. So he is separated out from the people in that goat process. Even though he's the one who does the work, he's the one laying on the hands. It says that the, the goat is addressed specifically for the people while the bull addresses specifically for the priest. It tells us two things. Um, well, actually, a few things, not more than two, more than two, but a lot more than two. But one of the things it tells us is that it implies that the, 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 the Day of Atonement is designed to take sin, transgressions, iniquities away from a body of people or away from the people themselves. That's what it's designed for. And it tells us since that is a sign, the goat signs to the people and not the altar, not the ark, not the high priest. The people, it tells us that the idea of the sin being from the people, it's taking from them away. So it implies that the, the source is from them. The source for the people themselves. That they're the ones who bring their source of the iniquities. They're the source creation of the transgression. They're the source creation of the willful sins or the sins that, 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 that go to it. That, that those have to be taken away from them. The priest of the hand is not the source, theoretically speaking. Not, um, there are exceptions, of course. I say 
symbolically speaking, I'm not saying oh, is every man flesh and blood. Saying, symbolically speaking, the priest, is, since the goat doesn't apply to him, the one that's going away in the, the wilderness, he is not the source of the transgression. He's not the source of the iniquity. He's not the source of the sin. And of course, the altar, which doesn't have anything to do with the goat, the, the live one, the altar is not the source of sin. The also the source of transgression or iniquity, and neither is the ark, the, the, the ark of testimony. is not the source of the sin, transgression, or iniquity. They aren't the source. The priest, the altar, and the, and the ark are not the sources of the sin, transgression, or iniquities. The people, however, are. This makes logical sense. And those who are Christian would know this by, by heart. Of course, that's the case. Is Jesus the source of our sins, transgression, and iniquities? Does, is he the source of his own sin, transgression, and iniquities? Well, he didn't sin. Therefore, he can't be the source if he didn't sin. So it makes logical sense a high priest is not supposed to be the source of sin, transgression, and iniquity. Yes, I do realize Eli, the high priest, who did a lot of sins. We're not discussing him. He's an exception to rule. He's the, he's the anomaly. The symbolism is that the priest is not the, not the source. That our Messiah is not the source of these things. What is the source? The people themselves. They're the source of these problems. So does the Yom Kippur service, all of the priests, in this case, he flesh by us to offer a bull. He's at the source. He's at the one that has to have the sin transgression to be taken away from him because he didn't produce it. Yeah, he has his own mistakes. But we're just saying the, 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 the goat symbolism is that that laying out of hands the goat that's a separate thing aside to the people themselves. And of course, he has to obviously confession. Now, there's other thing that tells us this in this confession process and repentance and such that goes with this before I, I, I fly through this too quickly, um, is that blood, as it says multiple times, blood is the source for atonement. Atonement is through blood. But though blood is the primary component for atonement, it, out, and it, it is the the the, the it is the method to remove sins. It is not the only component of it. So to be effective of the removal of past sins, which is what atonement is all about, of past sins, it requires the confession of the, of the priest that's put upon this goat for, for, on behalf of people. He's confessing, you're my sins upon this goat, what he knows of them, which I'm sure he knows quite a few because how many times you go to for God? Okay, yeah, I screwed up again. Well, theoretically, you're supposed to go for the high priest and tell him that, and he's the one who does all the offerings. So he would know about your past sins for the whole year and your family sins the year. So the idea that though the blood is the process which it atones, that's the process which takes care of, of the actual act of doing it, it is, there's a component that goes with that because blood alone doesn't, isn't sufficient enough. Blood is what does it, but you have to think with the blood. What is with the blood? The confession. Now, here's the idea. Those of you who know the idea of confession is to agree with. You are agreeing with that this is what you've done, this is what you're supposed to do, didn't do. These are your sins. You, you are, yes, this is, I, I'm admitting guilt. And anybody who's ever been through any 12-step program in the world, not that I've been through one, but people have, um, admitting I am a drunk or admitting I am an alcoholic or admitting I, these were alcohol. Anyway, uh, I forgot the exact phrases. Or, or, or I, I'm uh, narcotics, whatever it is. Admitting it is one of the first steps to, to getting out of it. So if you can't confess it, is there any actual repentance? Of course not. You can't repent unless you actually admit. If you deny, you're not repenting anything. So with the confession, that is a process which repentance comes. So if this whole process was done and confession was put upon the goat and all this was done exactly, but the people themselves 
didn't actually admit to or confess to within their own hearts and minds, is the Day of Atonement actually effective? Of course not. It can't be. Because if you as a people group, you as individuals, as well as a nation, as a, po- as a body, don't admit we screwed up, we did this, we weren't supposed to, we knew better, we did it anyway because we felt like it and couldn't stop ourselves, or we were mad, we felt doing it anyway. If you don't admit this is what I did, then you can't repent for it. You can't say, God, I won't do it again. How can you say I won't do it again if you're not going to admit you did it with? There's no such word as again wouldn't make any sense. So clearly we have the, the blood is the primary component, but to affect the removal of past sins requires confession to go with it. Uh, of course, to affect the removal of that past sins, that confession requires the idea of repentance. I'm not going to do it again. That's the idea behind it. They all go together. Uh, but they are, but they are distinct. That the people themselves have have their own responsibility to confess and then therefore repent. So you and I have their own responsibility to say, "Yeah, I screwed up yet again." For the umpteenth time, the same dumb thing I've done every year, over and over again. I'm trying not to. God help me out. I'm going to do it yet again. I'll try one more time to not do it. That kind of thing. That's a process becomes. Now, granted, if you have to like fifty some odd times, I think they're. The, the, the likelihood of repeat offense is very high. The judge may or may not, you know, say, may not accept your repentance. That's between you and him, not my business. Um, anyhow, that's the idea of atonement and what this process is supposed to be as far as the, the, the goat process. Um, let's see. And also, oh, verse 10 explicitly states the atonement provided for the goat people is, is provided for the goat that is carried off or sent off the wilderness. That's, that's how. The, the, the atonement for the past sin is removed. It's through the goat that's carried off, off, uh, off the wilderness. Um, Aaron, of course, doesn't say have that problem, nor does the altar, nor does the ark. They, they don't have the sins be carried off. The altar and ark are inanimate objects, of course. They can't create sin of, the, uh, of, of themselves. But they have to be cleansed from it. Yes, yourselves, why would they have to be cleansed? They didn't do anything. Simple. This is really easy. Uh, let's say I committed a sin. Sin A, whatever it is, I don't really care. You fill in the blank. I committed sin A. I say, I'm sorry, I committed sin A. Didn't really mean it, but I said it anyway. And then here's my goat, or how many goats do you need? A couple of sheep, here's a few goats, so here's a, here's a couple of chickens, whatever I need. Uh, sorry, doves, not chickens. You don't do chickens. Uh, doves, here's what, what's required. Here's written out. Okay, here's instruction, follow instruction, done. Here you go, move on. Yeah, there's no repentance in my heart at all. I just paid the bill and paid, paid the fine. It's like going speeding ticket. Yeah, I was going 100 miles past speed limit. I realized that. Speed limit was 55, I was going 155. Uh, that's all right. Uh, what's the fine? thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, fine. Here's a check, pay it off. Next day I'm going hundred miles past my limit. <laughs> Is there any repentance? And the judge comes along and says, Yeah, you got the ticket yesterday, you paid the fine. There's another ticket today, and you want to pay the fine again. Yeah, that sounds all fine and all, but that ain't working for me. Any judge with said great assault would say, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna take this as a payment. How's uh oh thousand hours community service sound? Starting tomorrow. <laughs> Work for it. The, the idea, the clear, the punishment does not does not. You don't care. It's not sufficient enough to make you actually change your behavior. So let's address the behavior change that we're that we're desiring. Let's fix a punishment that actually is sufficient. Uh, how's a ten million dollar? Not that they can do this, but the words make it so high. They say, okay, I really don't want to do this again. Therefore, I will actually invoke or put self control upon myself to not cause the behavior again. So I can, as a citizen of Israel, uh, commit that crime. I say, I did this crime. 
I pay my bill. Next day, do the carbon again. I pay the bill. Next day, do the carbon again. Pay the bill. I'm paying the bill. I mean, I'm paying the sin offering, but it's not actually affecting what I'm trying to do, what, what, what the idea what God wanted. So I'm, the, these offerings I'm doing are just killing of animals. I'm just slaughtering blood for the fun of it. So I'm just bloodshed upon bloodshed upon bloodshed. I make the effect, even though it's being poured upon the altar and poured upon the, or sprinkled upon the different things I'm supposed to do, I'm not actually doing it. I'm not effectively making a change. So these sins become worthless. Now all you did was just pour innocent blood upon an altar. Well, now you have bloodshed upon the altar and you made it contaminated. Hence, we had to clean the altar up, clean up the, 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 the ark as well. Because you, you, you made this, these laws, the, these rules, or structures, the identity to, to affect change, make them worthless. So these, the altar and this, this ark essentially just carrying the burden of your screw-ups and you don't even care. And it makes them, though they're not the producers of your screw-ups, they're carrying the burden of your screw-ups. And you're not making any, any improvements in your life. You're not actually affecting change. So that's it. That's an important thing to note. That's why the altar and the ark has to be addressed because the sins of not being actually being sincere or truthful, or even the 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 the, the common lie. I didn't realize they made the mistake. You you're claiming it was an accidental missing the mark. In fact, in, in your heart, you knew it was a transgression or iniquity, but you're not commit. You're not admitting that out loud. You're claiming it was a sin of just an accidental. I accidentally slept with her. I didn't realize she was married, you know, kind of thing. You know, right, whatever. The point is, you're making a fake or a false claim of being a sin and not actually transgression or iniquity. And in fact, it really is a transgression or iniquity. Then you made the sin offering of false, it's a false sin offering. So that's really, really common. That's probably the most common, I imagine. So people who've read the Torah are familiar with it, you know most these sins. So when you do something, you have a pretty good idea. Uh, what you should and shouldn't do, as opposed to the accidental, unintentional sins, like most sin offerings are for, you knew full well. In particular, those of us who are who are to our readers, this is not a shocking thing that we had no idea we weren't supposed to, you know, sleep with fifteen women every week. Uh, pfft, you know, who knew, right? That we know full well what you can and cannot do. So it's not necessarily a sin, more as all of us to be a transgression or iniquity because we know better. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, let's see. I'm not going to go through too much of those details. Uh, this is obviously we cover in more greater detail during uh, Yom Kippur, which is in, I think it's September this year. I have to look at the calendar. I think it's September this year. Maybe, maybe October. I think it's September this year. Um, we'll cover this in, in chapter 16 in more detail then uh, and, and its implications and, uh, and the explanations in, 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 in Hebrews and such regarding, regarding Yom Kippur. So we passed Yom Kippur. Uh, chapter 17. This is. Uh, is this the right chapter I want to go through? No, no. Chapter 20. All right, we'll get there. Yeah. And we'll get to chapter 20 soon. I get my notes the right, right order. So, uh, chapter 17, the offering and such, all these details are not too, too surprising. The first nine verses, which is asked every year, this is a pretty obvious answer. When it refers to offering animals, it's referring, as far as killing and slaughtering animals, it's not referring to you going out and killing your. Your, 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 your cow because you're going to feed your family for the year because you, you, you buy your, your half a bee for your whole steer, whatever. You, well, that's what it's supposed to be a steer. But anyway, saw your whole animal put in the freezer. It's not referring to that. Oh, you're not stirring me wrong? 
<laughs> steering you wrong. Right. This is referring to offerings, like, hey, I'm going to slaughter this offering to this God of whatever, uh, or even the proper God. You may, maybe, maybe you're intending to, hey, God, yeah, I'm sorry that I have to eat, and yeah, this animal is, I'm doing this because of your behalf, whatever. You, you name God's name over it. That may sound great, but in reality, if it's an offering to your God, you don't get to do that. All right? So, when you're offering to God, an offering to God is brought to the tabernacle, to the temple to be slaughtered and blood offered there. You can eat it after, but that's what offerings for God are. That's what they're designated for. Don't kid yourself and thinking you can do it on your own. Those of you who have heard of, I don't recommend ever doing this, but I've heard of a few small cruise people uh, in the case of Yom Kippur or in the case of other holy days, usually leading up to Yom Kippur, they always do it Yom Kippur, leading up to it. And they, they go out, some, some certain groups, certain individuals have done so, and they've reported doing so, and I don't think it's wise. They've gone out, they, they bring their animal bird, usually it's a bird, because it's the easiest one to kill. It's still alive. They go up, they, up, they lift their animal up to God, say, God, you know, for my sins, my transgression, whatever case, whether they're confessing, and then they wring the animal's neck and, and, and to God in God's name, and they go off, and then they go out, kill or burn the animal up. Uh, that is done. It was done a few years back, and I was shocked to see just such, such craziness because you don't get to do that. <laughs> That's specifically not allowed. You don't get to do that. But they were doing it because they didn't have the goat to offer, and so they were doing it a bird because uh, it's some way of making this this, this effect, this 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 uh, this, uh, this this cleansingness, and it, it's not permitted. You don't get to offer an animal to God. Uh, well, unless it's at the tabernacle. So you can't do that. Now, we're not saying you can't pray over your animal or pray over things, but it's offering details. You may say, God, thank you for this animal I'm slaughtering to feed my family for the next six months, or, or if it's a deep freezer, or, or in one day if you don't have refrigeration. I better eat it quick. Um, the point is that you have, that there's offerings for God, there's offerings, to, meaning not offerings, so it's just you're killing something to eat it because it's, 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 it's dinner, it's lunchtime, or whatever it may be. Those are different things. Don't confuse them. Don't mix them up. Uh, this is referring to the first nine verses to offering to God specifically, as opposed to I'm going to go eat it because I'm hungry. I feed my family. That's a different. Those are t- totally unrelated. Uh, don't confuse them. If somebody, which verse four was the warning of chapter seventeen, if somebody does choose to offer to God and say, "Hey, this is for you, God. This is my offering of." Either thanks, what it may be, and you did not bring it to the tabernacle. Um, it says your spirit or your sorry, your flesh will carry the responsibility. The Bible doesn't mix words typically. In verse four, you'll notice it says the man's flesh, his body, that man, not his soul. You will note that we read a lot of these in chapter 17, 18, 19, 20 about the soul being cut off or soul being responsible. In this case, it says the man, which is your body, responsible. So your flesh will be responsible for that error. Not your soul, not your spirit, but your flesh. So don't confuse them. So God does make a distinction between our physical bodies and our solar spirits within inside them. So they are not the same thing. They may be related, but they're not the same thing. Uh, to, in, 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 obviously, in verse uh, 10, it points out, now we're dealing with souls being cut off. In verse 10, if you're drinking, you're eating the blood. Now, those who are also aware, blood, of course, is not a common delicacy in the United States, but it is very common in Europe, very common in many parts of the world. 
except you know, U.S. or in China. China is not very common either. Blood is not considered an ingredient. It is, however, ingredient in other nations, in other areas, other cuisines, which is very common. Do not eat them. Uh, it points out this is not a this unlike unlike verse you know four, which is the man's cut off. This is your soul's cut off. So we're dealing with your spiritual life. If you choose to consume blood, and you know, obviously you know, and mind you, I'm not going to pretend every does or doesn't know. Anybody who reads the Torah knows this. Um, everybody read the Bible knows this, for that matter. Um, that blood is not a consumable item. You do not eat it. It's not. You don't eat the thing. You don't put it in your food. It's not an ingredient. It's whatever it may be. And it's. And it's. It, I admit it is growing in popularity. Even in the United States, it's also growing in popularity to do so. To put blood inside of your food, uh, for whatever seasoning reasons, I can't speak to it. But anyway, it is becoming more and more common. Um, this is a soul issue. So unlike the physical details, as far as the physical man cut off for offering uh, an offering out to the tabernacle this is a soul cut off so this is a spiritual problem uh this is beyond your physical i'm hungry this is a i want to this, this is your inner desire i want to do something because i want to do it that is not a physical body thing that is an internal problem of your heart or your mind uh or, or your soul your 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 life that's doing this so all who consume that god spends a lot of time on this topic it's this not the only time he brings it up in the torah uh from that everyone who consumes the blood is cut off. So don't play around with that. It's not, it's not a game. God, as he killed the David Bihu, he doesn't play games. Yes, uh, Jeff. It's very interesting when you talk about uh, the consuming blood. A very interesting thing that is actually going on today is um, forced organ harvesting, which basically you are capturing someone to cut out their organs to use for That's yourself. True. So it is, it's almost a form of neo-paganism. In fact, there was just some actions uh, today in, in uh, the United States about um, uh, condemning um, that practice that's going on in a very large country in uh, the other side of the world right now. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. That's a good point. That that comes up periodically as far as that topic. I actually talked to my kids about that earlier. I should probably get about this, remind them. About whole, you know, uh, drugs are put inside of drinks, and you drink, and then you wake up the next day in a, in a hotel with your kidneys, uh, kind of thing. So it's it, things you have to watch out what you're doing. That's a serious problem, and, and and it is a growing problem. It is continuing to grow because it's big, big, big business. Uh, you, who knew your body was worth so much, so much, so much money? Uh, Shay's asking what country she's that you were referring to, Jeff. Uh, that's typically as far as I last heard, it was a country China was real common in. But there may be other countries that's also common. Yes, as well. that's the that's the big country I was referring to. Right. Right. Uh, Larry, your hand is up. I've also heard that at supermarkets they're starting to uh, make the meat look better by brushing it with blood. That wouldn't surprise me. It's not how, how prevent oxidization, which I imagine uh, what prevents oxidation? Noble gases. Do they argon in it too? There's the argon in it. It's almost like a gas they can put to prevent that too, because blood oxidizes. It turns black or turns brown rather quickly. But yeah, that yeah, it, it is a common thing to do. That's one of the reasons why in kosher rules you're supposed to soak it in salt, salt water, and then rinse it off before you cook it to help extract whatever blood's left in. Yes, Larry. Oh, your hands up. Oh. No, I tried to raise. I was trying to close. Oh, right, unraise. Unraise. Okay, got it. Got it. Sorry. 
Um, yeah, so this blood is a big deal. Don't play around with it. God doesn't play around with it. He killed people for other reasons that then you don't want to be messing with that. This is a soul issue, not a not a physical body issue. So don't he doesn't like to play with with when it comes to those type of details. Uh, oh, how did you put your hand up again, Larry? No, I guess I just don't know how to unraise it. <laughs> to unraise it. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Larry. I'm trying to help you, but apparently I'm not. <laughs> yes, unraise raise your hand again. Whoever Un- can do somebody, that. Somebody lower it for him. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. No, this is not Doctor Strange Love. <laughs> so. Let's move on chapter 18. Egyptians and Canaanites. Although a lot, a lot, a lot of sex sins here. Don't do stuff. <laughs> I also uh, immoral and, and, and improper behavior. Uh, God had pointed out to 18, you and I and our nation, our people are supposed to be different. We're supposed to look strange, to not act the way like everybody else acts. Uh, Shay, your hand is up. You're muted. We can't hear. Yeah, that that wasn't one hand clapping. That was two hands clapping. Oh, was it? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I can wait till you're done. Um, no, that's all right. Oh, okay. Um, just I was a little bit confused during this part because we know that you're not a, a man is not supposed to take sisters and cause right. jealousy. Correct. But we know that who was it that had Leah given to Jacob. him? And, right. So, yeah. so what's with that? That that was confusing to me. Yeah. Oh, whoops. Jacob, don't do that. <laughs> But but he so, he he was tricked kind of into doing yes, it. Sort he was. Of. I mean, he had a choice after he was tricked into taking Leah to not take Rebecca because she was her sister. Correct. But obviously, yeah. he wanted her, and so he yeah. took her. So yeah. was he breaking Torah? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yep, <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> so okay, don't keep in mind. Uh, just because the Torah says do this or don't do that. Doesn't mean people didn't do that or did the thing. They, 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 they obeyed it. So people make mistakes. We all make mistakes. And there's one thing you have to learn, and you, you, I'm sure you've run across this many times in your own life, in people's life around you, your family, your friends, loved ones, whatever, that they make mistakes, but then they have to deal with the consequences. The, okay, I did this. I can't undo it. But what do I do with the problem now? How do I handle this now? How do I deal with this now? How do I make the best of what, I've, what, I'm, what I'm stuck with? So, for example, let's pretend you were a missionary. Not that you are, but pretend you were. And you went to country Timbuk3, wherever it is. And you said, hey, uh, Joe Shmuley, guess what? Uh, this is Jesus. Oh, great. He said, I want to be a believer. And he said, but I have 18 wives. Okay, well, we're not supposed to have more than one wife. So uh, does he, A, divorce 17 of them and say, you're on your own, good luck, you know, find somebody else, take care of you, move on? Or he say, no, it's okay. Don't take any more. Just deal with the 18 you've got and just, and just don't go beyond. And don't teach your children to go beyond. The point is that the situation you're in, whatever it is, is what you're in. How do you deal with what you're in? If you went out and say, okay, 17 other wives, you're all divorced, uh, there's the street. Uh, here's some clothing on your back. Good luck. Figure out your own problems, your own needs. Well, that's a greater crime than it would be just, okay, you already have the 18 wives. You're, you're stuck with them, so to speak. Uh, you, keep, you take care of them until they're dead. You tell, until they pass away or until you die. So you have responsibilities. So just because you learn something or have moved on and think, hey, I don't want to do that again, doesn't mean you still have to deal with what you already have, the problem you already have. And note, and I even add to that complexity uh, 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 Leah and uh, Rachel, Jewish uh, tradition specifies that 
I'm not saying they're right, just a tradition, that both Bilcha and Zilpah were their half-sisters. So that Bilcha would have been the same dad, but different mothers from a, a, mother from a concubine uh, that she was born, an illegitimate wife. And Zilpah the same, because that was what was commonly done, still has been done, in the Middle East today. That the primary spouse, their children you have, you have women or, or daughters, that their handmaids are the concubines' children. So the concubines' children are the handmaids to the primary spouse's children. So it's pretty common, or was, is today still, in certain cities of the Middle East, but was then. So it's very possible he didn't have just two sisters, he had four. <laughs> okay. It's very possible. Uh, again, highly, highly bad ideas. So don't, don't, don't do that. It doesn't, it doesn't go over well. And note, it didn't go over well with him, did it? it? He had a lot of troubles. So you will note that a lot of things happened in the Torah and, or past the people. And, and they, okay, now you see the problem. This is why I help explain why we don't do that. Yes, share your hands up again. Um, okay, so so God called it an abomination, but when yep. He made Adam and Eve, they had to marry brothers and sisters in yep. order. So how? So why was it? Why was it an abomination by the time we get to the Torah being actually verbally written down? And you know, and, but it wasn't an abomination to begin with, or it was an abomination, but it was a tolerable abomination. Or no, it it, 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 it has to be a non-abomination initially. Because if you didn't marry your sister, what do you marry? A cow? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay, sis, sisters, yeah, you're all nice and great and everything, and I'm, I, I'm your brother or whatever. Uh, yeah, we can't have a relationship together, so I will procreate with uh, the dog over there. <laughs> and we'll see what, what, what creature can come of that, right? Yeah. Oh, by the way, that's against the rules too. Oh, crud. I can't procreate with that either. Uh, well, now I'm stuck. <laughs> There's no living thing I can procreate with. Right. So clearly that at, as time goes on, as time went on, the prohibition about not marrying or having relations with a sibling became a problem or spouses or have, having sisters or brothers as, as, uh, as relations. Doesn't it occurred at some threshold in time? I can't say when. Uh, I'll give an example. Even at Noah's time, so we have Noah, the great Noah, right? He had three sons, their three three daughter-in-laws, they have kids. Well, uh, yeah, so those kids are, by definition, first cousins, but I can't swear they're all going to necessarily marry that way. They may marry a a sibling. I don't know. So we, we can't say specifically that you know, at Noah's time, it all ended. It didn't work that way necessarily. We don't know at Noah's time. All we know is that the, the prohibition is written here and now in this portion, the Torah portion, this section, this time period. So at least by the time Moses is on the scene, it has changed. And we know that by nature, we can see around us quite obviously that uh, you have, if you inbreeding siblings, it has serious health consequences and, and mental problems. So we don't do that. So we know that, that it's obviously a problem. So at Moses' time forward, we can assume at least from that moment, possibly before we don't know, but at least from that moment, it is no longer permissible to do so. It may have been prior to, it could have been prior to minutes before, or decades before, or hundreds of years before, we don't know. But some point in time between before and that moment in time when Moses is writing it down, it's not permitted. 
And we know that God is not happy with the service, the, the, the process, because he points out as a citation why the Egyptians and the Canaanites were abhorrent people. Because they were doing this, among many practices, doing these practices. So leading up the time of Moses, sometime prior to, I'm not sure how much further before, this process was considered immoral or inappropriate, inappropriate contact. So don't do those types of things. But I can't say when when it was inappropriate, when it was considered immoral or, 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 or unacceptable behavior. You could argue the same, the same idea for any of these rules if we don't have an explicit reason given prior to, then all we know, at least from that moment forward, it's not permissible. It may have been before, we don't know, but it's not permissible at that point forward. And that includes all of these instructions, all these rules are given here. If it's not listed before, we don't know if it was applied before. So we can't prove it. We can believe it, we can think it, we can't prove it. And we obviously saw through Jacob's existence that wasn't, didn't turn out so well, as far as for him, about the whole siblings thing. Married siblings. Uh, let's see, where were we at? We were at uh, immoral, imp- inappropriate contact. Okay, so I, oh, crud. Uh, I'm a little bit short on time, but we're, we're, I'm going to uh, point this out. So, you will note here that there is not an explicit point in this section regarding contact with adult to little child, uh, young child, uh, as far as not explicitly pointed out. Obviously, it's immoral, but the point is, it's not explicitly pointed out to. In that context, this short portion that covered that, I would speculate, I'm speculating here, that that was not even done amongst the people there. I mean, the Canaanites, Egyptians didn't do uh, sexual acts towards children. I'm guessing, because it's not listed here. But at least in Messiah's day, Mark 9 points out, it was being done then, at that time, and apparently even amongst the Israelites or people, the Jews of his day. So that evil practice was at least cited during his time in other areas as well. It's implied. As far as sexual physical contact in Mark 9, that that, that it is better that person be drowned uh, in a miserable drowning rather than God get a hold of him. It's it's obviously a very negative thing. So it's a very contaminated and disgusting act. And in my personal opinion, even though it's not listed here in the Torah portion, I imagine such evil things probably were existing there too at the Canaanites in, 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 in Egyptian territory, but it's not specifically stated. I say that's my opinion, my imagination. I don't know if it's actually true or not. I wasn't there. But sexual conduct with children is included in Mark 9. So at least there it is cited, if nothing else. Uh, the bestiality, homosexuality, of course, obviously addressed. Uh, they are pointed, brought out the very end of this, this, this chapter in verse 22 and 23 as being the most loathsome. Let's see. Uh, and of course, 34 points out that all of these things listed here were common practice in Canaan and Egypt. That's really gross. These were common practices in Canaan and Egypt, the area which they live in and were taking over. So, um, I'm not saying today that we have the same identical uh, sexual permissive behaviors. We have a number of them, so even in our modern day. And some of them have never gone away, per se. They never actually disappeared at all. But uh, be aware that these sexual misbehaviors, as it cites multiple times, are the reason that the people prior to Moses and his time were being kicked out. These misbehaviors, these evil uh, uh, sexual acts were the reason or primary justification 
Like I was saying, I'm vomiting them out. It is disgusting. I'm getting rid of them. So it is a warning for any people group who choose or claim to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Jesus, any of them, these sexual misbehaviors, if they become acceptable and normalized in any way, there is no reason to believe that God would not also allow that people group to be vomited out again. Or first time, depending on who you are. Again, if it's, if it's Israel today or, or first time, if it's other nations. So uh, sexual misbehaviors are a serious problem and a serious warning that, it, that the land of God, God may say, I'm vomiting you out of this land. So be aware of that in the world around us. And as Jeremiah pointed out, uh, pray for the peace of your nation because through its peace, you have peace. Well, also pray for the salvation nation because through its salvation, you have salvation too. And that you're not kicked out of wherever you live. Though maybe you should be. Maybe maybe the, the, the land is so awful you shouldn't be there. I don't know. I can't speak to that. That's your personal uh, life. But either way, it's serious. It's a serious enough issue. Uh, it is in, and in verse 25 gives the gives the, the explanation a little bit about that uh, as far as how it's how it's written or so or proceed. Uh, as far as that the, the do not commit these abominations, it points out uh see the land became contaminated through them, and I recall its iniquity upon it. The land disgorged its inhabitants. You shall safeguard my decrees and my judgments. So it's, it, it, is a, it is something you don't, we, I do not but wish to remind our God of how great and celebrate how great these sexual misbehaviors are um, because if you bring them to his face, he may not smile. He might say, um, You've shined this in my face a little bit too often, so I'm going to address it. And that is uh, the context of multiple books about the subject matter, as well as other subject matters that people have flaunted in God's face. So be aware of them. They are serious. Uh, and in particular, uh, yeah, those, those are serious things. So I, don't, I can't, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, Make everybody feel bad. It's just the point is this is a serious problem to be watching out for in the society in which we live. Not just our country, but many countries. They have similar problems. Let's see here. Let's move forward a little bit because I'm going to fly through this because I want to jump. Um, I'm going to hit two highlights in chapter 19. Okay, this is pretty straightforward. Don't do dumb stuff. Okay. <laughs> that guy was supposed to say, don't do dumb stuff. <laughs> pretty straightforward. <laughs> uh, most things are just dumb things. Don't do them. Oh, reading. Could I title uh, today's entire tour reading? Don't, don't do dumb stuff. That's great. <laughs> don't okay. Do dumb stuff. That's a great. Don't do dumb stuff. <laughs> All right. Touch on dumb things. Just don't do dumb things. All right. <laughs> Let's move forward a little bit. Um, the, the, the chapter, uh, it, 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 the, as I mentioned uh, during, before we uh, started recording today, uh, there's a few things here uh, about, you know, uh, 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 the beard trimming thing and uh, tattoos and gashes and such. There's a few things that appear a little bit contradictory and somewhat not. Uh, in verse course 39, the prostitution is addressed and, and things of nature, which we'll discuss for a few moments. When it comes to the beard trimming, this has been brought up in the past. And there are a lot of interpretations of beard trimming, as far as what can is not, not permitted. Uh, it is common when you're in doubt of something to just refer to a Jewish tradition. And considered acceptable, but don't cling on to something that is so undefined 
that you hold on to tradition as if it is it must be applied at all times to you or to others. So tradition, Jewish tradition is if you even pull out more than what? So two or more hairs anywhere along the sideburns of your hair, pull out two or more, it's considered a violation of this commandment. That's Jewish tradition. So I won't say they're right or wrong. That is your business. If you think it's right or wrong, I'm not going to tell you. Those of you who are women, they read, I know women do tend to pluck their hair. <laughs> now, normally, uh, at a certain age in life, women can, can grow beards. It does have, not like big ones, but they, it can, you know, little whiskers here or there. And they pluck them out uh, because it is, is an, it's a, a cosmetic issue uh, as far as how they feel of themselves and such. By definition of this rule, that would be for just not permissible in the, in the Jewish tradition. But even the Jewish rabbis point out that it's so um, too difficult to determine exactly what is is not permitted in this. So even they leave it up to, there's five probable sections that it's referring to. So any one of those areas we avoid, but they even they give some, some, some leeway. So there is some leeway there. Uh, hence, the point is, if it's not explicitly stated in the Torah, don't, too, don't hold too close to your interpretation of it. Some things are explicitly stated. Um, obviously, of course, uh, prostitution in verse 29 is explicitly stated. You don't, don't permit it in your daughters to be prostitutes. So this is a common problem in certain areas of our own nation. There are certain areas which we, we consider uh, unenforced districts or areas which, which the police departments of the various cities or states do not enforce prostitution, the, the sexual loitering and everything else that's going on. And there are all certain states like Nevada, which legalize it in large areas, large districts, or the closing our eyes, pretending it's not there, massage parlors, they're open all night long. Uh, oh, Shay's question, are beards required for men? Not necessarily. Um, some men can't grow beards, obviously. But uh, as far as uh, we don't know if beards are required or not regarding your question, but we do know certain examples, for example, obviously in David's time, uh, I think it was 10 of his men. I think it was 10 of his men. 10 of his men uh, went to, I want to say Nahash. It may not have been Nahash. It was one of the other kings saying, oh, we're so sorry your dad died. He was a neighboring kingdom. And the neighboring kingdom, his advisor said, no, 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 no. These men aren't here to say sorry for your dad. They weren't, you, should, you should mistreat them. They're here to, to spot the land to take you over. And so he takes the 10, I think it was 10 men, takes them in, takes their clothing from the head, straight down their feet, divides it completely in half. They're half naked, half unnaked. They take their beard, he shaves off half their faces. That half is also shaved off completely to the half left normal. And then sent on their way, and they have to you know, hobble home in this disgraced appearance. And this example, David says, it's okay, I'll deal with the king, change the clothing. But David says something strange, says, go to uh, this other town for the name of the town, hide yourselves there until your beards grow back. And it implies that at his time of David, it's a disgrace to have a man who did not, and it was clean shaved, did not have a beard. Now, he could have just said, it's okay, guys, change your clothes, shave off the other half of your beard too, and make it be even, and come back to work tomorrow. And you'll just grow your beard naturally. He could have done that, but he didn't. He said, go hide yourself until your beards grow back. So at least in his day, it was considered not respectable or not grown up or not honorable to not have a beard on. I don't know what size beard was, I'm down to his you know, down to his, to his belt. I don't know, but it didn't say what size beard had to be, but it doesn't specify that, but as far as it was considered a, a, a disgrace at his day. But I can't say why. I can't say if it was just a tradition of his time, 
disgrace to have a, 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 a beard or partially or a completely unshaven face or or what? So I can't answer the question. Um, in Judaism today, of course, most most uh, have beards. Most most males have beards. There are exceptions, of course. It's not required or not mandatory by Jewish tradition. So a beard, I can't answer as far as whether it's required or not. But I will say this. The vast majority of males do grow beards, meaning, meaning not like meaning they can. I mean, their body is designed to grow beards. So it's not like it's a disgrace to have one. So it's pretty natural. You grow to a certain age, your body will generally produce whiskers, whether it's a small amount or a large amount. It's just a natural sequence of your body, which it does so. So it's probably a, a, a design by God to intentionally have us grow beards because our bodies already do it. But I can't say that it's required. Obviously, women shave legs frequently, not all, but some do, and yet their body naturally grows hair on their legs. So it, it's kind of a, a it, it, I'm going to leave it as an open-ended, your interpretation of what you think is fair or just, because I can't prove one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about something that's a, a cultural distinction. Exactly. But it totally is. One of the, one of the things that um, you could say it's an example of, or a hallmark of, that someone is, is a man and is uh, a, an adult. Right, and it's, uh, some of the cultures, like in the Egyptian culture, they thought it was incredibly uh, uh, disgusting and a sign of uh, uncleanliness. Unclean. Yep. Evan, how to you to have hair at all? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Anywhere <laughs> have hair anywhere. And those was for a balding. They agree. <laughs> yeah, have, have hair at all. Yeah, and you know you're you're thinking of in in today's environment where you've got situations where. Uh, someone has to wear a, a, a mask of different types. Right. I mean, you know, a, be- a beard can be literally deadly. Right. And <laughs> you need to have a a tight seal around your face, and you can't do it. So, right. yeah, so that, also, it, it's go ahead. Uh, you know, the whole when David told them to go grow their beards back, I kind of see that as like you wouldn't shave off a male lion's mane and say, wow, that looks so incredible. Right. <laughs> now it looks like a female lion. Right, right, right. So, you know, it's the yeah. whole uh, differentiating it look, between... Yeah, it, 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 differ- it lo- looks strange. It looks... And I, think, and I think some of that Jewish tradition where men have beards and they're not supposed to shave it also comes from don't wear women's apparel and women That's don't wear men's apparel too. and a distinction between the male and the female. Right. And that, that's totally... F- and, that, and so God, till he had it, your body naturally makes a distinction and the desire that not everybody's, but most males natural distinctions where their beard, their beard grows unless they purposely shave it off. It's a pretty typical thing. They're obviously Still exceptions, waiting. but most of them, but most of them. And so yeah, it, it's a natural thing that occurs at a regular basis. But as far as what your culture believes it's, or you personally, that's your business. I'm not, it's not, not my place to, to, to say. But you know, you do, you do bring up an interesting point when you talk about the, the distinction between uh, men and women today, it's very common to uh, basically um, try to normalize from the anomaly. Uh, for example, the the bearded lady, and right. say, well, okay, because you do have some examples where women, you know, do have excessive for females to have excessive hair. Mm-hmm. Then, okay, that's then just dis- making the distinction that there is. Uh, this distinction falls down, but for most women, that's not the case. Right. Right. And for most men, it's not the case. Right. There's examples of uh, groupings ge- geographically 
genetically where you have people who have less facial hair than others. Mm-hmm. So, you know, are you saying that that's the norm or are you saying, <laughs> well, those are, those are anomalies to have, right. you know, we're having the, the, the same thing that happens today with uh, the divisions of the uh, genetic sexes as uh, you do have those v- very rare situations where you have people that are born with the um, additional chromosomes right, right. Uh, for both, both sexes. So do we say uh, there is no distinction between the sexes because you have these genetic anomalies or say, okay, well, we have genetic anomalies and we, we work with the anomalies, but that is not what the norm is. Not the rule. And it's not what the, you could say the design is between uh, the sexes. Right. Okay. So moving for a little bit, uh, I'm out of time. So I'm going to just going to, I'm going to, highlight these only and i'm going to exit this this uh this topic to reach the tail end of 20 um there are some inconsistent uh inconsistencies in certain details uh so don't confuse for example um the the whole chapter 20 of leviticus and certain things which you can and can't you, you cut off you do this you cut off you do that cut off the, and then also but leviticus 15 says well if this happens this is how you deal with the problem so Leviticus 15, for example, the whole, oh, they have relations during her, during her menstrual cycle and not permitted, right? Well, in this case, 20 says he cut them off. They're all, kill them all kind of thing. But in uh, Leviticus 15, he says, well, if that happens, he's just unclean for a week. So there's totally opposite reactions, the same event, because one's done on purpose, one's done on accident. So the accidental one, oops, didn't realize, okay, her cycle started, wasn't expecting kind of thing. Uh, it was a mistake. That's the accidental one. Versus, I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. Look, her second started. Therefore, now I will. No, that's that's doing it on purpose. That's the that on purpose. You get the cutoff thing. The accent is the clean thing. So there are some differences. Uh, some on purpose, some on accent. Make sure you don't 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 mix the two. There, that's why there's same two laws. The same event. Some things are purposefully done. Some are accidentally done. Uh, same thing with the liverite marriage or the the, the having your brother's wife it, when he's dead. He has no children. By law, you are to marry his wife until she's a child, and then you set her free. The whole point is to have a name raised up by 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 uh, the brother's name because she didn't have a children. Off the other hand, if the other hand your brother is alive, and you do so, or she had a child, male or female, and you do so, that is not permitted. So that you do something that is, that is, that is the whole you get cut off and and bad things happen to you. Uh, and I won't go into personal stories regarding those. I'm going to conclude with chapter 20, the tail end, um, in verse 23 and 24. Jump to there. You, if you have further questions, we can discuss it, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm out of time for this. So I'm going to reread the 23 and 24. It says, First uh, verse 22, chapter 20. You should observe all my decrees and all my ordinances, perform them, and then the land to which I bring you to dwell in will not discord you. We warned you this, this beforehand. These are the rules you follow in order to avoid being vomited out of the land. All right? That's all point behind it. Uh, do not follow the traditions of the nations that I expel from before you, for they did all of these things, and I was disgusted with them. So I said to you, you shall inherit their land, I will give it to you as in, to inherit, and I am flowing with milk and honey. I am Jehovah your God, who has separated you from the peoples. So, the whole point is, blessing-wise, here's your promise, here's your prosperity, here's the thing, which 
the, the God of America's wealth, right? Here's your wealth. Here's your great things. Uh, if you do these things, I am going to take those away from you. Uh, your prosperity, your blessings, the land you're given to, you give to. So these ab- abominations are the distinguishing characteristic whether or not you get to keep the land or you don't get to keep the land. It's pretty straightforward around around these these topics. Um, historically speaking, the vomiting out process occurs on a pretty regular cycle. Um, so speaking, as far as in Israel as well as even our own nation, uh, there's a certain number of years God will tolerate misbehavior, and then eventually reaches this threshold. In our nation, so far, history has shown about 50 year cycles from screw ups to he says, "I'm done with you." But um, so we'll we'll see how time how time progresses because sometimes he has a shorter temper t- time span temperament for that for those issues. But the point is that mistakes, when the serious mistakes become acceptable behavior, time lapses. He says, "If you don't fix this generation, whatever number it happens to be, um, I'm going to address your duration about it, and we're going to cause a correction, whether it is a vomit out or strange." Strange uh, anomalies or, or details, invasions, or pandemics, whatever. Uh, things happen and time progresses, and God says, I'm done waiting for you to fix these things. You're still permissively, permissively doing them and, and celebrating them, and I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. So we watch out for those things because we live here too. Any comments or questions about this Torah portion? Uh, I didn't get a chance to go through, obviously, um, Manasseh, which I want to get through, King Manasseh. And the whole offering your children up to sacrifice. That those the sisters supposed to cut the kill them off and such. He obviously was not. Uh, he was not done that. And, and because and Chronicles thirty three, Second Chronicles thirty three explains why. And so it's a strange way of how just measures and justice justice is supposed to work out. But we didn't have to talk about that today. Any comments or questions about the Torah portion? I apologize for taking you too long. I try to go quick, but uh, that's the general Torah portion for both Kedushim and Achrimot. Uh, yeah. Any questions or comments? Well, we'll go into we'll go and close then. Oh, hi, hi, oh, yes. uh, Daniel. Yes, it's Dan. Um, Dan. With the fires, with the fires we had in California, it's kind of like a warning about being. We're gonna, we might be thrown, <laughs> vomited out of of our land in a way. You know, you have to leave your home behind and and uh, hopefully be able to come back. I mean, each time it seems like it's uh, it's a. Uh, it, it, a decision on our part, you know, to just have to give it up and move on, move out in order to uh, save our lives, you know. So uh, yeah. I do see it, it. It's sort of happening here when it comes to those people down in the south with tornadoes and stuff. The, the, they also are being vomited out uh, of yep. where they where they were. Uh, and and uh, Katrina was a very big episode two where i mean it's been pretty continuous every year we have vomiting out of the land yeah um i i i am a um i'm a biased person when it comes to that topic personally speaking um in that in that i view each state as its own individual kingdom um not like the national kingdom as far as each state has its own set of laws and its own king we call them governors and so in my viewpoint i think god addresses each state or region on its own on its own footing so when it comes to california and and a lot of wildfires that have gone along um you can look at our own history separately than history from example from texas or louisiana which has their own problems or new york or any other state 
that's my personal biased viewpoint. So when your your comment regarding the wildfires in California, in particular, because that's where we happen to live, yeah, I do. I personally believe there is something God is addressing with the state of California in particular, separately from each of the other states, which have their own problems that that He addresses or deals with. So uh, for me, and just for me, in my worldview, uh, because I view each state as its own kingdom and its own way in which God addresses it, uh, I, will, I will purposefully tend to ignore other states' corrections and focus on my own state's corrections. That's where I live. Uh, that's me. Uh, and so when I see the wildfires and such and how they correlate so well with 1967 and California's passing of abortion laws that 50 years later, 19, 2017, mass number of people are dying and property being destroyed. Um, I tend to make connections that way because it's a California-specific event and 50 years of Jubilee cycle. So, but that's how I view things. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, just how my personal viewpoint is. So, and of course, in this 2020 was New York's 50-year cycle, also for abortion laws, and I think they were pretty heavily hit by coronavirus. So, I, there's a lot of there's a, in my, my worldview, I worldview things on cycles and timings. Um, and so there's obviously Jubilee cycle, but there's also anniversary cycles that God uses. So I, I, I tend to agree that there's probably reasons why God does stuff to certain areas in one way, but yet does a different thing to the area in a different way. Uh, for example, we don't have major wildfires in New York, but you do have it on in California. Uh, you don't have you know massive avalanches here, but you may have another state. So there's, there, I think each state. That's why I view them differently. Uh, each state has its own specific sins to address and deal with, and they can be insulated from one group or one sin, one correction, but not from another. Um, that's but that's my own personal viewpoint, and it's not. And so I'm biased in that. I've held that viewpoint for a while now, but that's I haven't found a reason to think otherwise. So I think you're right in that. Yeah, hey, pay attention. We are being kicked out of our homes temporarily, at least those of us here in Sonoma County and a few other areas of our state, for temporarily to come back or don't come back, who knows? I think, yeah, that that is a legitimate question. All right, God, is you correcting our region or our state or our states, if we have to be a combination of them, for specific things we have done or have not done like we were supposed to? Uh, I think those are legitimate questions to ask. We should always ask ourselves, okay, these corrections are happening. Why are they happening? Anything that I may have contributed to or can help prevent. There's a legitimate question you should ask yourself in the world you live in, how you influence people around you and your children and, and other neighbors and such. So those are good questions to ask and they're good things to contemplate. So I think they're, they're, there's legitimacy to them. Thank Anyways, you. Yep, yeah, sure. All right, we'll go close with a prayer then. Start with everybody else. Almighty God, a great Father, thank you for Shabbat, a day of rest, a day of, of, of patience, of kindness. Obedience to your ways. I think I should bless us and bless our efforts to follow your way of life, to instruct our children, grandchildren accordingly, Father, that generations to come of our friends and our, our loved ones will know your way and know your truth. We ask you to bless us the time we have together to apply what you've instructed us to do and see how we can affect the world around us in a positive way. We glorify you, Father, and we praise you in Yeshua's name. Amen. You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at hallel.info. 
That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. Hallel dot info. Hallel.info.